Welcome to episode one of the Graph Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Fairholm. It's a simple question with a complicated answer. What does it take to get better at golf? On this podcast, we're going to be fully invested into providing some answers to that daunting question. Some are going to be more on the mechanical side. Some are going to be more on the mental side. We'll give you some drills. We'll give you some thoughts, all in the name of hopefully getting better at this game. To do that, we're going to be talking to everyone, teachers, coaches, great players at every level of amateur and professional golf, and some sports psychologists who can understand this game better than just about anyone. We're going to start by talking to one of my favorite people in the golf industry, the head coach of the men's golf team at Stanford University, Conrad Ray. Coach Ray was an All-American at Stanford back in the mid-90s and was teammates with someone by the name of Tiger Woods, so that kind of helps your pedigree and being a great player and a great coach. Conrad is now the the coach of Stanford and he has just won a national championship back in the spring of 2019, has a great recruiting class coming in this upcoming fall. So without further ado, my conversation with Coach Conrad Ray. Coach Ray, thanks for coming on the Graph Golf Podcast. So what I'm I'm guessing is a pretty interesting and uh, challenging time to be a, a college golf coach. What what have you been up to recently, and uh, how different has a, a COVID summer been to uh, what you would normally be doing this time of year? Well, great to be with you, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been a wild and crazy time. Uh, you know, the shutdown and dealing with a pandemic. Um, it 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 has been an unsettling time for college golf, especially really not knowing what it's going to look like uh, in the fall. We're still kind of waiting to see. And you know, for me, it's been uh, it's been kind of an exercise and spending more time with the family. I actually signed up uh, wearing two hats right now. I signed up about a month before uh, the shutdown to step in as the interim general manager of the Stanford golf course. So I've been busy with that role and I've learned a lot on the golf operations side, uh, you know, looking after our our great Stanford university golf course out here uh, in Palo Alto. So I've been pretty busy, but uh, it has been a a wild and crazy time. I guess the good news is that you get to stay uh, national champions for another year. At least you get another, (laughs) another tack on another year to, uh, to that but i mean the, the team that you had in the the run that you guys went on last spring you guys win five consecutive uh, tournaments finishing with with the national championship w- what kind of goes into that mentally because of course that was an incredibly talented team the, the physical ability was always there with a couple of the guys that you had but, but what what were you hoping to do coaching wise to kind of protect that momentum down the stretch yeah i think you know like you hit on it i think it is an exercise in momentum and kind of getting a feel for, uh, you know, winning and, and being comfortable in winning. And I think our guys, uh, our guys have, uh, in that stretch did a great job of just really taking it day by day and not getting too far ahead of themselves, but at the same time, knowing that they were on a bit of a roll, right? And uh, when you make one putt in golf and you're looking to make another one, right? And so our guys just kind of fed off each other. Um, I was especially impressed that every guy, you know, one through seven or eight, even in the lineup throughout that spring, played a vital role uh you know they they stepped up when they needed to and and had had um had impact right and so you know as a coach there's a there is an art in uh you know when you when you really stick your nose in there versus where you just let the the horses run and and for me during that spring campaign it was more of just get out of the way and and uh let the boys do what they're doing well and that's playing good golf yeah, absolutely. When we're talking about uh, you know, getting the most out of your players, you're not their instructor necessarily, but there's a course up management element. There's a motivation piece to it. Uh, what did you learn as a player at Stanford? You had such a great career. 
in kind of those departments from the coaching you had then that you kind of use as a coach now? Well, I learned so much, you know, I think, I think, uh, knowing Stanford and, and, you know, first and foremost, I think every school has kind of the nuance of being a student athlete there and what that rhythm is like and where to go and what to do and how to organize your days and, and manage that, that experience. So I think that helped me a lot, you know, having been through it. Um, I think that, you know, one of the, probably the biggest lessons I learned at Stanford was that golf's just really hard, you know, no matter where you play it or how you do it. And, and, uh, it's, it's a humbling game. So, you know, I always tried to work really hard to keep our guys' feet on the ground, even though they might be winning tournaments or doing really well. It's just, you know, around every turn, there's a challenge. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say probably the biggest lesson, and this has come from just watching my old teammates, you know, Tiger Woods, Nota Begay, Casey Martin, some of these guys that have been, you know, uh, giants in the game of golf. Um, they're all really strong students of the game. And what I mean by that is they never have it figured out. You know, that's one of the things I think in today's day and age is that, you know, it's easy for student athletes to come in and think that there's like a there's like a golden ring or a, the holy grail or whatever you want to call it, right? Like if they're searching for something and that they're going to eventually find it. And I think uh, my experience at Stanford and and just seeing what I've seen over time with with different players as well coaching, that that the great ones really never find it. It's more about the pursuit, and and that's what really motivates them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I know back in the the mid '90s, swing analytics and track man that wasn't really a part of the the whole rhythm of the game back then. It, cer- it certainly is now. W- what do you kind of see out of your team and how much you use, uh, you know, launch monitors or swing analytic numbers? And, uh, and, and could you have used that stuff back then in the 90s? Would it have helped or, or hurt your cause? <laughs> well, I, you know, I think we would have been more efficient maybe, but uh, there's also something to say, you know, sometimes efficiency and quickness or the right answer right away uh, lends itself to a situation that maybe doesn't hold up as well under pressure, you know? So I, I'm fascinated by, Hey, okay, fine. You can turn on the track, man, and really dial in your numbers and understand what your attack angle should be and what it looks like that day. The question is, can you take that on the course? And when you're, you know, you barely have any spit in your mouth or you can't even breathe because you got a chance to win a tournament on the 18th hole, you know, does that show up? Can you really deliver in that moment? And, and I think uh, sans technology or without technology, you're maybe you're maybe better equipped to have found it in the dirt because you've hit you've had to have so many reps to get to that spot of knowing what your feels are and what your body's going to do under those circumstances. So, you know, I, I see both sides. I I, um, I do think that technology and whatever, you know, it, it does lead to efficiency. I think it leads to a bigger pool of better golfers. Um, but I still think no matter how much you're into the analytics, it's, it's a mental game and, and it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a spiritual game in some way. So, um, you know, fun to, fun to combine all of those elements and, and try and identify, you know, who's going to win the next major. Such a huge, uh, topic in golf, it seems consistently is, you know, how do you take your practice game onto the course? Because, you know, when you're hitting balls on a range, you're hitting at a target, but it's hard to necessarily uh, simulate what you're going to be doing out on the course. What are some of the ways that you kind of found as a player or maybe as a coach now teaching some of your players? How, do, how have you been able to uh, simulate what it's going to be like on the course during your practice? Well, I, I think, um, you know, it maybe is a little trite because I think people nowadays are critically thinking about that, that very question that you asked. But I think I'm a big proponent and I know I'm a big proponent of always trying to make our practices as a team and, and individually, uh, you know, times when I work with our guys, always trying to make practice harder than the actual real thing. So whether it's, you know, 
really finding difficult buys to work on around the greens, uh, finding challenging wind conditions or narrow targets in practice. We, we always base our practices on competitiveness and competitive games. So we rarely have a, a practice with our guys where they just show up and hit balls. You know, we're, we're, you know, my, my goal as a coach is to have a structure where our guys can do all that on their own time. But when they get to practice, it is like, it, it's a game like situation. You know, they have to come ready to compete. Um, and that's the beauty of college golf that I think sometimes young pros struggle with is that you can come every day and have an environment where you have eight or 10 or 12 guys that want to beat your brains in. Right. And, uh, and you, and you, you have to put it on the line every day. And, um, you know, when you go off and do your own thing as a professional and you're by yourself, it's sometimes hard to find those simulations. Uh, and even as an amateur, too, um, when you're on the range by yourself. So I think I think game, um, golf to me, that, that's that's a reason why I think good college golf is a team sport. You know, you rely on the teammates around you to push you every day. And, and really, a lot of our practices and the work we do is founded in that. You know, it's it's based on showing up and and. Uh, being able to raise your level because if you don't, you're going to get beat in that putting game or that chipping game or the, the hitting game that we have set up that day. Yeah. And along those lines, you mentioned some of the great teammates you had at Stanford. Were there any moments of, the, of that competition kind of coming out amongst you that you felt kind of elevated your game or, or some of those moments when you were a player? <laughs> well, there's a lot, you know, you have a lot <laughs> of great memories of the college days. I, I think uh, I look back at my time at Stanford, it's been a while ago now, but we used to spend hours. Uh, there's a great putting green near the 10th tee at Stanford University Golf Course, and uh, we we spent hours having team putting matches. And I I think to this day, uh, you know, uh, it's pretty pretty amazing because um, uh, well, I was on the losing side, so it's not that great <laughs> of a story. But I can tell you that Tiger and I used to putt Casey and Noda a ton, and uh, it was one of these things where guys weren't afraid to purposely lose the first couple holes so they could press and get some money on the table. That's awesome. I, I, I'm curious, you see some college coaches who, uh, you know, they still compete in, in tournaments or, or play, uh, you know, play a lot of golf with their team. Uh, how much do you still get to do that? And, and what kind of mindset do you take now when you have those, uh, those rare opportunities to play? Well, I love to play. I, I'm, I have to remind myself I'm not 28 anymore. I know I just, you know, I saw my good compadre, JC Deacon, pull out the Florida Open and um, <laughs> Ryan Hibble. I opened the scores yes, last night. Ryan Hibble's leading the Sunny Hannah, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I, I'm not as young as those guys are anymore, um, <laughs> but I still like to play. And I, I, you know, I think it helps me coach because it, you make, it makes you realize that it's just a difficult game, you know, and you can you can hit bad shots and, and it's easy sometimes as a coach kind of stand up on the side of the hill and, and just, you know, just can't believe that your, your kid could three putt, you know, the second time on the front nine, you know, and, uh, but that stuff happens, you know, it's golf and it's challenging. And I think playing does help, um, does help coaches coach better. Uh, you know, I don't, I think that there's a reason why you see some of the top programs around the country. Uh, gosh, you can go down the list. You know, you think about a, a program like, um, you know, Oklahoma State, Alan Bratton, Ryan Hibble at Oklahoma, uh, Scott Limbaugh, all these guys are good players. You know, they, they know what it takes to, to shoot a low score. And I think that comes through in their coaching. And, and it's uh, neat to see how the coaching profession uh, has evolved over time like that. Yeah, absolutely. How necessary do you think that is? Is it, is it something where if you are a great player, it kind of lends itself to being a, a, a great coach? Or what added pieces do you feel like you need in order to, to be a great coach? Well, I think, 
I, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a bunch of different ways to do it great uh, and do it well, and, and you can see that around the country. I do think, though, in recruiting, I think nowadays players are, are um, uh, you know, attracted by, by, by coaches that have had uh, success, right? And, and a lot of that comes from success of their own that they've had on the course. That catches people's attention. And to me, the lifeline of being successful is, is, is recruiting well and finding the, the kids that really match with your program. Um, you know, I think the other thing that we try and do well, uh, and, and I think the programs that are successful try and do well, and that is they, they really take a vested interest in player development. You know, it, it, back in the day and still today, you know, some programs, they, they recruit like mad, tournament, turn them out to pasture and hope that they run really fast versus like, okay, I'm going to have a program and a plan for every kid that enters my program, my, my golf program. And, and really analyze where they're at and how can they get better while they're in college. And I think that because you're seeing more coaches take that active role, um, I think you're, you're also seeing the product out on the PGA Tour, which, which I think is evident. Um, so, you know, I think, I think the profession itself has really evolved, but, um, but also, too, I think being a good player has helped in that for a lot of coaches. What, what are some of the tools that you guys kind of use uh, analytically or you mentioned, you know, trying to simulate a lot of that competition. What, what else do you guys kind of use to be able to, to analyze uh, strengths and weaknesses for, for any given player? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot out there, right? I mean, you know, not to single anyone out, but gosh, I mean, just, just to have access over time for a bunch of smart people looking at the PGA Tour Strokes Gain database, you know, and having that be public source. I mean, you know, really at, at the heart of the statistics conversation, that's really where a lot of the stuff out there has grown, whether, you know, you look at Scott Fawcett's decade method or um, just general stroke schemes, um, you know, statistical analysis, stuff like that. I mean, you know, just to be able to have access, though, to that that database of information is powerful. I think yeah. it's a little dangerous, though. It's a little dangerous sometimes because I think comparing yourself, cons- uh, you know, all the time to PGA Tour players. Um, if you're a college player, it can get a little self-defeating, um, and and they definitely play a different set of courses than we use, uh, you know, week in week out on average. So, you know, it's 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 a great uh, benchmark, but I think it just needs to be treated like that. You know, it, it, it's a comparison uh, spot or comparison tool. So, um, but there's there's just so much out there, and it's neat to see how you know smart people have really approached uh, performance and. And it's a, it's a lot less kind of look and smell and, and uh, you know, feel and, and a lot more, uh, you know, technical kind of data-driven performance for sure. Absolutely. And yet you have some great former players, uh, Maverick McNeely, one of them, Brandon Wu, the guys who are, who are coming up uh, nowadays who are, who are really kind of making a name for themselves on uh, the PGA Tour or, or the Corn Ferry Tour. I know you're, you know, before the, the, the pandemic came, you were very excited about the team that you have now. I know we, we talked about your national championship winning team, but what, what kind of excites you about the future of Stanford golf? Well, I, I think we have continued to work really hard in recruiting. And, you know, I think good, good golf from existing teams leads to good recruiting too, because people want to go play for teams that are winning, right? So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, my hope is that some of the recruiting we've done really pays off. Um, we're excited about the freshman class that's checking in here this fall. Um, arguably the best class that I've been able to recruit uh, during my my time here. Uh, Carl Phillips leads that chart. I think he's up to six or seventh in the Wagger. Um, not far behind him, Michael Torbjornsson, and then Jake Bieber Frankel out of Miami. All three of those guys are are you know can really play, and they have huge upside too. So 
we're excited to see what that freshman class can do. And, and, uh, and we're working hard beyond, you know, we, we never really ends. We're, we're, we kind of finished our 21 recruiting and we're working on the 2022 entry class. So it starts early. And, and uh, to me, recruiting is the name of the game. And we're lucky too. I feel fortunate to be able to, you know, kind of share Stanford with people. I think it's, it's not like we're, um, it's not like we're uh, giving them, you know, trying to convince them that Stanford's a great place. I think it stands, stands up for itself academically and the facilities we have and, and all the, all the different variables that factor into that conversation. Awesome stuff, coach. Uh, bright, bright days ahead on the farm for sure. I've, I've met Carl Vilps a few times and uh, a great player had your way for sure. Um, but uh, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us and, uh, you know, sharing some of your, your insight and uh, best of luck going forward. You bet, Sean. I appreciate you having me on and, and good luck with the pod. Once again, thanks to Coach Ray for taking a few minutes to talk. There are a couple of things he pointed out that I think are really important. The first is that he routinely puts his players in uncomfortable, awkward positions during practice, giving them bad lies or if they hate a left or right win, saying, let's go out and play in a left or right win. See how you do, simulating what that feels like in practice. I see this a lot with the players that I teach where they step to the driving range and maybe they are just aiming at a target, but there's no other context besides I either made a good swing or I didn't. That's not really golf. You know, if you're going to practice and you imagine a hole by saying everything right of this mound is water and maybe you're slicing your driver, three wood may be a better play and putting yourself in those positions and simulating that is really important. There are no situations in the course where you have an open field with no consequences. So creating consequences during your practice can really help you understand your game. It may not be a putting match with Tiger like in Conrad Ray's case, but this is a game of, of managing misses. Another thing he mentioned that I, I love is that the best players are always learning. Coach Ray has won team national championships as both a player and a coach at one of the most respected universities in the country. but. He's still the first to say how difficult the game is and how he needs to keep his players grounded throughout a round, a tournament, or even or even a whole season. So I hope you enjoyed that quick chat with Coach Ray. We're going to be bringing on some great guests over the next couple of months as we launch the club, which will be the hub for all of our content here at Graph. So be on the lookout for that, and we'll see you soon.